Welcome to the Life Fellowship Ministries International Broadcast. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. So, this morning is Palm Sunday, and uh, we have a very special service planned for you. We have a, a very special speaker that I would like to introduce. And you know her as Pastor Christine. Would you welcome her, please? Thank you, Pastor. Good morning, everyone. You've heard today is Palm Sunday. You know, we have to stop and just think about that because what is Palm Sunday? What does it mean, especially to us who are believers? I know that Palm Sunday, when I was a young girl, meant that the Sunday that we would go to church, we'd get a special little gift, a very cleverly fashioned, handmade cross that was leaves. And I just would sit there and ponder it as I would hold it in my hand. And I thought, wow, I don't know how they did this, but that's pretty cool. And we were told that it was This cross was given to you so that you could remember. Well, I didn't know what we were supposed to remember. Uh, And hang it on your wall when you get home. So I figured, well, that must mean we need to go back to church again. Because that's the only thing that I could figure out what we were to remember concerning this cross made out of leaves. But over the years, and in delving into the Word of God, I've come to realize that This is a special day. And for believers, we really need to bring this into our heart, into our lives, and into our understanding what Palm Sunday is because it helps us realize as we get to know what it represents. What an awesome, what a wonderful, what a mighty God we serve. You know, we often think that We give to God, but it's not true. God gives to us. He gave us his son. After he gave us his son, his son gave himself to us that we may be ransomed, that we may be freed. He did it. So what is this Palm Sunday? Well, First off, I'd like to tell you that the story concerning Palm Sunday may be found in all four Gospels. That would be Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, It's also known as the triumphant entry of Jesus. Hmm. What was he What was he triumphing on? We already know that. So what was the symbolism here? We know that there's not a lot of stories that are found in all four Gospels. So when it is in all four, we need to take note. Because if Matthew wrote about it, if Mark wrote about it, if Luke wrote about it, if John wrote about it, well, there's something there because all four of the prophets the, uh, the observations of the gentleman and the Holy Spirit bringing them to write it gives us a different view. But in addition to it being in all four Gospels, <laughs> we can even find 
what was going on in the Old Testament in the book of Zechariah. So I'd like for us um, to go to Zechariah, but before we do, I want you to know that Zechariah was a priest, and the term, or the name rather, Zechariah is a common name. There's more than 25 that we can find in scripture alone. It would be equivalent to us today if we were going to write scriptures writing about Bob. You know, when so Bob did this and Bob went there and Bob did this, found this stuff. So we would have to realize we're actually talking about three different Bobs. So Zechariah is a priest. And the book of Zechariah is two main things. Prophecy and visions. It's a very powerful book. And just as a note, that is the book that is quoted the most in all four Gospels concerning the arrest and the trial and the crucifixion of Christ. So it's Zechariah saw some things. And did I mention Zechariah was written 500 years before this event took place? He saw some stuff. So let us go now to Zechariah, chapter 9, verse 9. And we write, find this prophetic word. Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious. Yet, he is humble Riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt, the triumphant entry. I'm just for those of you who want to go back, Matthew 21, 1 through 11, Mark 11, 1 through 11, Luke 19, 28 through 40, and John 12 through 19. It is in both Matthew and John that it is the direct reference to Zechariah. So we're going to be using Matthew's account to read this story and figure out what is Palm Sunday. Starting in uh, chapter 21, verse 1, if you'll read along with me. As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethphage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into the village over there, he said. As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them, bring them to me. If anyone asks what you're doing, just say, the Lord needs them, and he will immediately let you take them. Let's just pause there for just a moment. What a setup. A lot of things had to go into place for this to even occur. This is the day that they were all walking together. This was the day that on the path they passed this little village. And this is also the day that this man tied up two donkeys there. He may have been tying them there for a month. Because the Lord may have told him one day somebody's going to come and get those and it's going to be for God. But it was this day that it all happened and came together. And when they go in, you know if you went in and just picked out a car out there, 
and started it and tried to dry it off, somebody's going to say, uh, hey, what are you doing? Well, that's what donkeys were then. They were transportation. They were used for hauling things on their back when you needed to go to or come from market. They were valuable. For some stranger to walk in, see them, and untie them, and walk off. And all you had to say is, the Lord needs them, and it'd be okay. You're dealing with people who could really hear from God, and trust him, and obey him. Let's read on. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him and threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. Okay, another pause. How many of you have ever tried to break a horse so it could be ridden? Yeah, me either. I just checking. How many of you have ever seen it on a Western movie you've been watching? Yeah, that's how we catch hold of it, right? But we know it's not an easy thing to capture a wild animal and try to ride it. Even one that's been raised in an environment that is not necessarily wild. The moment you put something on its back, what is the first reaction? Now, I don't like that. I don't want that there. What is it? They had the donkey that was the older, the mother, but they chose the colt to ride on, and they threw garments on it because they had cloaks that they would wear, overcoats, and that's what they chose to put on this donkey, and that's what Jesus chose to ride on. <clears throat> Let's go on. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him. Others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the ground. Jesus was at the center of the procession, and all the people around him were shouting. Pause again. Okay, young donkey never ridden before. It's one thing to have coats on, or coats on you. It's one thing to have a rider for the first time, and you're trying to just be okay with all of this. And now you've got people all around you shouting. Yeah, that'll calm anybody down, right? Not only are they shouting, but every step you take, they're throwing things on the ground in front of you. Hmm. Now, had that been a horse? What does a horse do if it's startled? It bolts. It, it will kick. It'll do anything if it's startled. You know, this donkey is gently riding. Let's go on. Praise God for the son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in highest heaven. Now, this is what the people are shouting as they are walking this donkey into the city. They're screaming, they're throwing things, they're praising. It's a procession. They're clapping. And this is how the city responds. We'll go on. 
The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Of course it would be. I mean, when we see five police cars, two fire engines, and all kinds of racket going on, we don't go, mm. we want to see what's happening. Oh, I wonder what happened. Well, it's similar to that. Who is this, they ask. And the crowds replied, it's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. So now we see in our mind's eye a young colt who has this person on its back, people gathered all around, and they're walking into the city with all of this commotion. And the people who are in the city are going, what's happening? What's going on? Who is it? Why is that significant? Why a donkey's colt? Why, how could that colt have realized he was on its back? So my first point for you today is kind of to knit these things together. And it is, Jesus is king. And we know that. But there's a very strong significance about what is going on with this procession of a man riding into the city on an animal you see, it's Jesus' first time to declare himself king. Because when somebody would ride into a city on an animal like that, if it was or had been a king who had just conquered that city, what would they be riding in on? They would be riding in on a steed proving their authority and their power. Even if they had gone and conquered another land, the king would ride into the city on his steed, showing his victory. But when a king entered a city on a donkey, and Jesus was not the first one, it actually had a lot of meaning for the people who were there. They understood when a king rode into a city on a donkey, it meant peace. He was riding in, in peace. But let me think about this for a moment. Jesus is entering the city, riding on a donkey, signifying he's coming in peace. But do you think he had no idea what he was actually riding into? He knew he was riding into his death. Another flash for you. The first time Jesus was on a donkey riding, I mean, coming into Jerusalem on a donkey, he came in peace then too. It was when Joseph was told, you must go to Bethlehem. And he had his pregnant wife with him. And she was riding on a donkey. And the path from Nazareth to Bethlehem, there's two ways. One was a little more treacherous, took a little bit longer, had more rockiness to it. I don't think that's the path you take a very pregnant woman on. Women? 
So he most likely took the one that went right through the city. So Jesus entered into Jerusalem while he was in his mother's womb. And now he's riding a donkey again, riding in as king, king of the Jews. Um, we also have in scripture that this is a, a something that David demonstrated when he was king. David was dying. Everyone here familiar with King David? And he's dying. And they're trying to figure out who's going to take his place. In taking his place, he brought in his wife, one of his wives, Bathsheba, and said, Solomon is going to be king. And this is what he says in 1 Kings 32 through 34. Then King David ordered, Call Sadak the priest, Nathan the prophet, and Benai, son of Jehoiada. When, I wish it was Bob and Bill and John on those words. You know, if we could just have those, it'd be a whole lot easier. When they came into the king's presence, the king said to them, Take Solomon and my officials down to the Gihon Springs. Solomon is to ride on my own mule. There, Sadak the priest, Nathan the prophet, are to anoint him king over Israel. Blow the ram's horn and shout, Long live King Solomon. This was a way to announce the peaceful handing of a throne and a crown. David peacefully gave it to Solomon and showed that he approved it by even letting him ride my donkey. Let him be on that, that the people will not quarrel who is taken over. Point two, Jesus is king, Jesus is peace, and I've already explained that to you about riding the donkey. The people understood. He's coming in peace. He wasn't coming to conquer except death. He wasn't coming to overthrow except sin. In the physical, he represented what he was going to do in the spiritual. But he came in peace to us. <clears throat> we can find in the book of Judges, you know, and I, when I read that book and I would read these things, I was like, hmm. But now I'm going, ah. Because when in the book of Judges is a time before kings and they had good judges, bad judges, quite unlike today's government, right? And so when the good judges were in rulership over Israel, it's written in the book, and his children rode donkeys. In some accounts it says, and his children, even his grandchildren, rode donkeys. That was to signal us the code there is, there was peace in the land under the rulership of this particular man. So point three, going on with what Zechariah had seen 500 years before it took place, is that Jesus is humble. Riding the donkey also symbolizes humility. 
humbleness, servanthood of our Lord. But Paul captures it succinctly in Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8, because you know all of Scripture speaks of the humility and servanthood of Christ. Paul said this, you, I wonder who he was talking about, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had, though he was God. Think about him riding into Jerusalem. Was he God when he rode in? Yeah. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. That's humbleness. That was Christ showing himself and all he wanted for us. Not from us, for us. A king coming in peace, being humble. He wanted to demonstrate God's love for us. Remember the words, For God so loved the world, he gave. He gave his only son. He gave his only son for us. That's love. That's humility. And Jesus is a servant. We consider Jesus riding into Jerusalem and he called his people together and said, you know, this is found in Mark. So Jesus called them, that's his disciples, together and said, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people. Officials flaunt their authority over those under them. Do we see that today? Absolutely. But among you, but among us, but among us, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. What an upside-down kingdom from the one we desire. Because we want to prove. We want to be the king that rides in on the steed, showing our victory, showing our power, showing our authority. And Jesus showed us so much more. He showed us so differently. When you are first, when you are leader, that's when you become humble. That's when you become a servant. That's when you become more like Jesus. In John, it said it this way. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me finish Mark. Uh, 
Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even Son of Man came not to serve, to be served, but to serve others and give his life's life as a ransom for many. Yes, amen. Thank you, Jesus. In John, it says this. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything. I'm sorry, let's just stop and think that. Jesus has authority over everything. This one, on this day that we call Palm Sunday, had authority then, had the power then, and still chose to serve. He knew that his father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and he would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, poured water into a basin, and then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around them. I mean, we have a hard time picking up a piece of paper that's on the ground that somebody else dropped. Jesus washed our feet. He may have not done your feet physically, but I'm telling you, he washed your feet spiritually. He washed your feet. He washed your hands. He washed every part of you. Because we live in a world filled with sin, a sin-filled world, which is wicked and evil. We can see demonstrations of that all around us. And what we need to realize is that God has already taken care of us. We need to walk in the understanding of who he is and who we are. They went around him as he rode on that donkey, cheering, singing, clapping, joyous. As Zechariah, 500 years before, had commanded them to do. Sing, be joyous. You have much to celebrate. And you know there were the grumblers, unlike today. The grumblers were saying, well, why is he riding a donkey? Why isn't he riding a horse? Isn't he going to conquer the Romans? Isn't he going to win our land back? Isn't he going to allow us our own stuff again? Again. Do we ever go to him with that? Why? Why did you let that happen? How? How am I going to overcome this? When? When are you going to prove yourself, God? And the truth is, he already has. We just have to understand that we can trust him. Does that mean wickedness is gone? No, we're still living in the same world. Does it mean the evil has been removed? No, there are plenty in here who would embrace it and desire it. There are many who have their hand up to the truth and knowledge of God. But until we recognize 
that we are walking in his authority. And what this world has, we don't even want. What we need is our trust in him to get through anything. So let me end where I began. Today is Palm Sunday. Today is a very significant day for us. Of course, we have next week to celebrate because we love to celebrate the resurrection. And it is a time and it is a thing for us to celebrate because he proved all this. He proved it on Resurrection Sunday. He showed it on Palm Sunday. So let me ask you this. What is Palm Sunday? And what does it mean to you? Do you have something you can hang? Because I know where you need to hang it. Don't put it on the wall of your house. Put it in your heart. Thank you.